guys. Welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I'm joined, as ever, by my partner in crime, MK. What up? Hi. Hi. We're overcoming great obstacles to actually record with you today, those obstacles being ourselves. And we are bringing <laughs> with us our special guest, Hapa Kitsune, HK. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for taking the time out to talk with us today. How did we actually trick you to come on? Um, I think you sent me a nice private message on Twitter. I'm yes. easily convinced. <laughs> I like to hear myself talk. You should. We sh- You shouldn't advertise how cheap you are on this front. Cheap like, <laughs> like date. I know exactly. Uh, I think most people know. You're doomed already. Then I know. So this, guys, for all our listeners, is our very special writing episode. Um, it, we're going to be talking about how we got started, some of our favorite writing tics, and kind of questions that you guys sent us about writing. So strap in. I this is going to be a long run. But before we get started, HK, could you walk us through a little bit? Like, what is your pedigree? Like, how did you get started? Like, <laughs> your first fandom? That sort of thing. It was Harry Potter, and I was, I think, either 10 or 11. Uh, and someone I knew got me into it at, like, my little child care center that I got sent to because my parents worked. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's like corrupting children in a child care center. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least she was, you know, another child there and not one of the people who worked there. Good. Um, there is that. But, you know, the funny thing is at the time I didn't realize that she she was into Slash and I wasn't. Like, I didn't even think of that as a thing, which doesn't make sense now in context because, like, I knew a lot of gay people, but yet that never even occurred to me as a thing. <laughs> and it didn't occur to me as a thing until, like, I fell out with fandom in middle school-ish, and then in high school again, I got back into it, and then I fell in on the dark side, I guess. That's actually really interesting, because this middle school falling out, high school started again trajectory is, like, almost exactly the same as mine, and similar to yours, too, MK, right? Uh, yeah, sort of. All right. So when did you start writing after you'd already been corrupted by this childcare friend? (laughs) (laughs) I started writing then. I was writing on fanfiction.net. So that was all I knew. So what was your pairing of choice in the Potter fandom? Oh, God. Hermione Draco. Not even a friend. Really? Yeah. What can I say? I like enemies. That's true. That's true. The hate fuck. That explains a lot of your other fandom choices now. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> good, good job. Good. So if you were going to try and just... Oh, Sorry, listeners, there's something happening in my apartment building where they're like, either someone is having the greatest sex of their life, or they're banging intermittently to see whether or not, as a psychological experiment, they can drive me to murder. Um, we're getting there. I'll, I'll check in at the end and let you guys know how that goes. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I guess the I guess the question is now, how do you feel like your writing fit, does it fit into a genre? Like, when you look at your work holistically, do you think that there's like a thematic element to it? This is something I'm going to make all of us answer, by the way, so don't worry. <laughs> um, I seem to write a lot of uh, sort of rom-com style stories. That's I feel like a lot of people do that. That's what I love you for. Yeah. And um, for some reason I have the reputation of writing sad things, but I've only written like a few sad things. <laughs> I think, okay, to be in your defense, specifically on this, I don't necessarily think that you write sad things. I think that you pick fandoms that are very emotionally fraught. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I mean, I, most of the stuff that, most of your stuff that I'm familiar with is all like in social network fandoms. So like, I can completely understand why everyone just associates your name with heartbreak, but that's not <laughs> all so much like 
social network is a fandom built for people who thought that the knife twisting wasn't painful enough so they had to like add to it on their own yeah pretty much uh it's, it's <laughs> funny because like i wrote something funny the other like recently and someone's like oh this is this is really funny like i've never seen you be funny and like this is all i used to do <laughs> <laughs> before this fandom got a hold of you yeah all right, MK, same question to you. Uh, and even lying say you don't write, because as we all know, now every right. one of you out there should be voting for Covered Love to be read by Dylan O'Brien as part of this year. I hate you. <laughs> um, when I started, I was really writing, like, just get-together romantic, like, 5,000 words max in Sailor Moon fandom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I'm really jealous of those people who can write, like, really good plots or who are just, like, it's really funny. I tried writing funny stuff, and I made, like, one that was okay in house fandom. Right. Uh, I tried writing something with, a, like, a real plot in Stargate Atlantis, and then I failed out of it. <laughs> I think I'm really just doomed to forever be like, this is basically a Harlequin, but with these two characters. Enjoy. <laughs> well, people clearly... So that works out. Yeah. It's okay. Um, <laughs> as long as you're happy. Pretty happy. Um... I, you know what? I was trying to, I was mulling this question last night because I knew I was going to make you guys answer it. And I realized that like, I don't really have a good answer for myself. <laughs> um, all I know, when I started writing, like my very first writing fandom that I was involved in was X-Files, which obviously kind of colors my history of writing because everything in that fandom was like, there were a lot of like Mulder Scully romantic fic and all that other stuff. But like, of course, like me as a young person, like zeroed in directly to the serial killer ethics. (laughs) 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 Right now, I want to be able to write something like that. And so like, I weirdly, I started off incredibly dark. Like if I found if I could find my old wide world notebooks of fan fiction from like back when I was hand writing the shit. Um, all of this was like so dark, just like really awful attempts at plot and serial killers, which I didn't have the emotional depth for. <laughs> Trying really hard. And then somehow, like at some point, I went from like, I would really like thought provoking plot to like lols. Let's just do all lols all the time. <laughs> So let's do some lols. Here's some sex comedy. Let's say one profound thing per story, maybe, and that's it. I think that's probably my oeuvre. I don't think that's <laughs> accurate, but good luck. Yeah. Well, that's 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 the that's the template under which I operate. I don't actually know what actually comes out. Right. I always feel like I always want writing to be really happy and just like like a distraction from real life. Right. So I always want writing to be really happy and like you know if you're having a shit day, you read something and it fixes everything. But I always want vids to be the most depressing, like, just sit down and cry for the next six hours. What is wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> when I see happy vids, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I don't, I, you know what, when it comes down to it, I don't really care whether stories are happy or sad. I just want to be caught up in it. I want to, you know, like, ride the swell of whatever emotion the author is putting out there. And I think that that's really hard because you have to completely ensnare your reader and that's like a really high level skill and whoever actually manages that whether that's happiness or sadness that's always like a double plus gold stars all around yeah that's fair enough all right do we want to move on to the questions phase because i know that we have a ton and i feel like we could keep asking 
generic ones, or we could just get down to it because I'm sure it'll cover all of it. Yeah, we did get a lot. I was of- gonna say real quick though hmm? that um, I was gonna say real quick that I think the reason that I write such that why my fan fiction is really light is that I've noticed in my um, my original stuff it tends to get very like dark and personal, and I'm like I don't want that anywhere near my fan fiction. Like completely keep that away. <laughs> totally, totally. No, that makes perfect sense. So I get to write all the like light ridiculous things that people would just look at stare at me for in a creative writing class i guess write that and put it on the internet and people will like it so well i also think that like that goes to the heart of one of the my pet peeves when it comes to people's perceptions of fandom where there's always this feeling that like whatever we write in fandom is really like um ephemeral and disposable and that somehow because it's fanish in nature it's not very it's not important it's like you can toss it off and it's not it's not valuable on a long-term basis. This is really powerful in the sense that it makes people take crazy chances, right? And so you get really creative and innovative and weird and sexy and like funny stuff all the time. But then at the same time, because we view other writing as so much more serious, I feel like much more hampered when I'm working on original stuff than I am when I'm working on fanish stuff. Because I know like, oh, it's fandom, it doesn't really matter. Um, So I could do X, Y, and Z, it's no big deal. But if I'm doing an original story, like I have to make sure every step of the way is accurate and like perfect and correct, which can become like a major problem when you're actually trying to write something to completion. At least that's something I've noticed in my own work. I feel like this is one of those things where like people who read literature, you put that in like fake quotes, you know, like the depressing (laughs) books that Oprah recommends. I like this. (laughs) It's not recommend. Oh my God. I don't know. I've never watched Oprah. Anyways, like those like shit book club things that are about like people dying in Africa. Yeah. That's like all my sister reads, right? And she's like, this is literature and anything that's genre is just like garbage. I got a reputation among my friends because one of my friends was trying to convince me to read Don Quixote. um, And I was like, I'm at that point in my life where I just want to read books with dragons in it. Please stop making me try to read old classics. I'm also at the point in my life where I'm not going to pretend that reading (laughs) you. classics are valuable for any reason other than to to hit like a checkbox like if you're genuinely interested in a so-called classic that's one thing if you're doing it primarily because you're an asshole and you haven't (laughs) you're like that's another and you should just go check the fuck out like like those people who get the full sets of the classics and put them on their bookshelves and never read them well those are the people who never crack the spines like i you know it's really it's always like such an interesting discussion right like whenever so I have these moments in my life these surreal moments at this point where I go to like cocktails or like I go out for events at something and like people are standing around talking about literature with a capital L and like what is the latest Salman Rushdie book did you read like how do you feel about bringing up the bodies and I'm just sitting here thinking like you know what the last thing I honestly read was I reread Little House in the Big Woods (laughs) <laughs> and by no means, and I used to be really self-conscious about this, but then I realized like this by no means means I'm a less intelligent or well-read person than you, possibly in terms of the actual book list. Yes, I've definitely read fewer of those shit shows that you've read, but it just means that I'm, for me, reading is supposed to be purely about pleasure. Yes. And that's, you know, like I should enjoy it. <clears throat> I don't care if it's quote unquote valuable because someone shoved that crap down my throat in high school and college. And just because Prometheus Unbound is, quote, valuable and I wrote a 28-page paper about it doesn't mean I remember shit about that book or that I want to. Or not that book, about that epic poem or that I want to. Exactly. If you like reading something, that's awesome. But if you don't, like, there's no reason to force it on yourself and it doesn't make it more valuable. 
Exactly. And I feel like that's so much of like, at least fandom's philosophy toward writing, which is why fanfic is so fun to read. Yeah. Yeah. You can do anything in fan fiction and inside the world of fan fiction, nobody's really going to judge you for it. They're like, wow, I don't like that, but that's fine. Like, that's awesome. Oh, I'm going to judge you. I will. <laughs> Not judge you like you should never have written that. That's the worst. Oh, no. I'm like always the person who's like, that's terrible. I'm so glad you wrote it. But yes. like, I'm judging quietly in my head for other reasons. <laughs> Fair enough. Questions. We're going to ask questions. Okay. Uh, the first one is from an Anon via our confessional. Okay. How do you decide which lines of a fic to use as the summary on AO3? Uh, I'm going to make HK answer this first because I want to. Oh, God. I'm actually staring at a new works page for, on AO3 right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a summary for it, this fic, at all. <laughs> um, I try not to use lines from the fic, actually, because I, unless I really am struggling to come up with something, because I feel like generally a line from the fic isn't going to be able to encompass most of the plot. Yeah. I did it with one recently because it, it was, like, a really ridiculous Les Mis college AU, and there was, like, one line where it kind of summed up <laughs> the what was going to happen. Yeah. Les <laughs> college AU. Yeah, so I was like, well, that works. But usually I try to come up with, like, a one or two sentence brief thing, and that takes, you know, longer than the actual fic took, usually. Yeah, I feel like the summary is incredibly hard um, because you have such a limited amount. Like, Guys, for those of you who are listening to this, this may just be me, but if you have, like, a one-paragraph summary, that makes me want to read your story less. Um, And I don't know why. But it's generally true that if I'm scrolling along stories and, like, your summary is literally, like, a paragraph long, I'm like, "Eh, I don't know how I feel about this. Because you really just want to hit, like, that one, two, maybe three-sentence sweet spot, like an elevator pitch, where you basically hit, like, the high points of your story without giving any of it away. And that's like a really hard balance to hit. And as for how I pick lines of stories to make summaries, I always do this for no other reason than I'm a lazy motherfucker. Like, (laughs) worst at summaries, I recognize. There are two things that I suck at, like abjectly, hardcore, no one will ever dispute this. Um, I suck at naming characters. So like, (laughs) if they don't already have names, they're awful. I name them all the same thing because they suck at names. And summaries. I suck so bad at summaries. So times out of ten, I will pick, like, the first line of the fanfic and just be like, ah, it's fine. Scotty, <laughs> <laughs> Here, have it. Oh. There's no rhyme or reason behind it. It's literally, like, I'm too incompetent to come up with a summary. Here, have this. I always want to do what Hapa does and just be like, uh, Styles Cooks, Derek is a recluse millionaire, maybe a werewolf, you don't know. They fall in love. But, <laughs> uh... Hoyden and 20-something talked to me out of it, and they were like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, that would be an awful fucking summary. (laughs) It would be a really awful summary. Um, So they were like, we'll just pick something for you. And they did. They picked out the lines for me. I didn't even have to, like, think about it. So what you're saying is make other people do it for you. Listen, if you already have a beta reader or two, (laughs) might as well go with it. No. Guys, don't listen to her. But I will also say, there's always a thing in summaries that makes me judge the author really hard and just, like, not click on it. Okay. Which is the length of your summary relative to the length of your fic. The closer they are, <laughs> the less likely I'm going to read it. That's, that is very true. When you see those posts on, like, like I still go on LiveJournal. When you see the post on LiveJournal that's, like, half of your screen, and then you see the word count and it's, like, 1,000 words, I'm like, nope, not happening. <laughs> That is very true. That is very true. I feel like maybe the sweet spot in terms of trying to figure out what to pick as a summary is 
you shouldn't you should a you shouldn't necessarily pick a line from your story because as hk says like it's it's very rare that there is like a particular line that encompasses everything that your story is sort of about um but i would go like what are the key things to try and convey in the summary um tone tone yes i feel like more than anything make sure people know what tone they're getting into. Because if it sounds from the trappings of it that it's going to be a funny story and I click on it, it's just everyone dying in the street. <laughs> Very betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. Tone, if you can get a pairing through the summary, you can. I prefer that versus having it tagged something, but that's just me. I like um, both. Pardon? Both. Because, like, for instance, I have an AO3 RSS subscription to the Derek Styles tag, but that means I get everything that has ever been tagged Derek Styles, including stories where they're, like, third pairing down the list. I know. It's because you live bad and you deserve it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yep. 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 No argument. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question. Literary Coffee. She wants to know, do you know how a fic will end when you begin writing, or is there a scene idea that you take to a logical conclusion? Ooh, I'm MK one first. Uh, I don't know anything. Remember that summary that I wanted to use and I wasn't allowed to? That was yeah. my plan. Good. You're dead to me. HK? Um... I think usually I have a pretty good idea of where it's going. Um, a lot of times I'll, I'm getting like an end scene before I write the middle, just because I want to know where I'm going so that I have a good idea of how long the fake is going to be for one thing. <laughs> um, is that ever accurate for you? Because I found that I'm like the least reliable as a fake like. Well, you know, I'm not a really a very good judge because you can look at some of the word counts of some of the things I wrote with Social Network fandom and you're like... But how did that happen? <laughs> that's what I wonder too. My rule when Prue says, I'm like, she'll say something like, Oh my like, god, that's right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really accurate rule. She'll be like, I'm going to write something. It's only going to be like 30K. No problem. I'll just bang it out. 300,000 words later, like just add a zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's always true. I've never seen it like not happen that no, way. Like I've never had anything come in under what I thought it would be. It's always been a minimum double. Yeah, minimum. <sighs> I can't help it. I'm a wordy motherfucker. Um, <laughs> as for me, I am really weird, and this is very bad, actually, because I never write out of order. So I know that a lot of different people will write various scenes. Like Lepagus, for example, is a very like sort of clockwork god puzzle piece person when it comes to writing. She'll write various scenes and sort of knit them together and move them around. I cannot do that. Basically, whenever you see a story from me, I've written that from beginning to end in perfect chronological order. Like I've never skipped ahead. I haven't like I haven't like gone back and reinserted scenes unless it's one of those things where like during the beta process, I get like a 3 a.m. email being like, you need to add 3000 words here or else the rest of the story doesn't make sense. <laughs> the whole thing always goes in chronological order. And I've tried to write out of order before, but it doesn't work. And so if I end up writing a scene that's like, uh, let's say toward the end, I will usually end up rewriting that when I actually hit that point for reasons beyond me. And I don't, I don't really get why I do that, but it's kind of the only way that writing works for me. And this is across the board, original stories, as well as in fan fiction. Like I have to write in chronological order. Yeah. It's really, really stupid. I know someone else like that too. I don't know. I think the only benefit of it is that if you do do it in chronological order, it does layer up the various plot points so that you're not going back and trying to catch little plot holes that may have developed in the fabric of the writing. If you're doing it in perfect chronological, then all of it sort of builds up naturally. 
So that's one benefit of it. So you have to keep less stuff straight in your head. Uh, But it's also really frustrating because a lot of times, like for example, um, something I'm currently working on, like I already know what the last scene is going to be. I just can't write it because I need to get through the 10 pages before that first. I cannot know what's going to happen because I get ahead of myself emotionally and then I'm like satisfied and there's no reason for me to keep writing. Like, if I know what's going to happen, it's over. See, I, I find that really interesting because I don't know if you ever have this, HK, but, like, I'm not really done with the story until it's posted. But the minute it's posted, I'm, like, flipping the table, like, goodbye, dropping the mic, <laughs> walking away. Like, That's I, definitely how I feel. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people will, like, sit there and be like, oh, I want to update this and fix that. And it's, like, not that I don't want to do that. I just, like, don't fight. Like, I'm divorced from that story now. I spent so much time with you and I don't like you anymore and you're a different story than I thought you would be when we started and this relationship can no longer continue. Once I post a fic, it's like I'm reading something by someone else. Exactly. I just have to piece like once that thing is done. Like, (laughs) do with it ever again. And I'm the same way about Girl Lestrade, so don't look forward to any sequels. (laughs) I went back afterwards and I fixed a bunch of stuff, but it was like very little things where I like had an extra word in there or like... No, I should. I really should. But no one's paying me money to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted it to be perfect. But I can never write more for it. Not even if I send you another recipe file? No, I don't think so. Because I already went through all the recipes that he would need, like, for living. (laughs) Okay. I don't know how to explain that better. No, you don't. (laughs) We should move on. We should. We should talk more about your cooking abilities later, though, just so that everyone knows how that went down. Wait, can I just say, somebody posted about it, and they were like, there's no way that anybody can cook all of these things. Like, it's ridiculous. This food is way too complicated. Really? Yeah, and I was like, listen, I've ruined instant brownies, and I can make 90% of the stuff in that. Uh, yeah, and all of those are from Prue's recipe files. Like, like it's really easy. Ugh. I feel bad for that person. They're living, not eating their best food. They're probably just afraid of cooking. Like, just try it. It's fine. If you cook for yourself, nobody has to, like, feel the pain if you fuck up. Yeah, except no one you. has to know other than you. <laughs> Next question. Uh, Bessie Boo. Dear HK, do you ever sit oh. in bed at night and think about <laughs> what a terrible person you are? Is this <laughs> contemplation of your villainy, in fact, essential to your fic writing process? Yes, HK. Let's discuss this. Um... <laughs> No, I don't think about what a horrible person I am. <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. I do sometimes. When I was writing, I was writing. I wrote a Hunger Games AU, and I felt bad the entire time I was writing it. So I'm like, Did this you is feel you know bad in the way that you were enjoying it, and therefore you felt bad because I have that sometimes. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> I'm like, I'm being terrible to these characters, and people are gonna hate me, and I really like it. Yeah. That's terrible. It's not terrible. That's the sort of bad writers feel. Like this is. <laughs> Everyone's going to hate me for it. Do you remember, like, sometimes I'm watching TV and, okay, for instance, I have a lot of trouble watching USA shows because they're so tense and, like, upsetting. So many upsetting things happen. That's this. Don't worry about it, listeners. This is just MK. She's... I can't... It's really strong. Like, it's... I get filled with anxiety. And all I can think sometimes is, like, I could never write for TV because I couldn't do that. Like, how do you even write that on the page and be like, eat it, Mike, your life sucks now. It's easy. It's really fun, too. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> Kay will back me up on this, right? Is that not one of the most delightful moments as a writer? Making someone's life fall apart? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, it's good. You two are Especially people. when you get to then rewrite, like, write the rebuilding process. I don't, I don't care about that part as much. It's kind <laughs> of like giving yourself hurt comfort. <laughs> it's 
true. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> of the worst. <laughs> it's not. We're okay. See, we're just talking about how we're like, yes, we'll tear it down, but we'll build it back up. Uh, I believe Hoppa said she would build it back up, and you said, fuck that noise. <laughs> I said, I'm not as invested in that part. I didn't say I wouldn't do it. That's yeah. my prude English dictionary. I'm not gonna, like, <laughs> I'm not gonna, like, headache out of that experience just because I don't care about it that much, but, you know. <laughs> no, no. Moving on. Um, Pepper Dragon. Do y'all have rituals? Sorry, I can't say y'all without laughing. Okay, I'm going to read this one because you're going to butcher my language here. I don't understand how it works. From Pepper Dragon, do y'all have rituals around the act of writing? Something you do before or after? Drink tea, procrastinate, animal sacrifice? And HK, since you're a special guest, you get to discuss this first. Um, no, I just sit in bed and type on my computer. So <laughs> you can, like, let me set the scene here. So drop of a hat, you can just start writing. Anyway. Yeah. Pretty much. I carry a notebook in my purse. Oh, so you do longhand as well? Yeah. If I, like, if, because I'm out on the, or if I'm on the subway or something and I have an idea, I want to write it down before I forget because my brain is like a sieve and I get new ideas all the time. So I just want to, like, make sure I don't forget something. I have a little post-it app on my desk that says, what was the idea you forgot with many question marks? And I still haven't remembered what it is. So. <laughs> That's adorable. Well, so, like, once you actually get started, um, is there, like, a procedure? Like, is there a specific way you like to write? Like, uh, no. No? Sober, I guess. <laughs> Sober? I guess that answers another question that we have coming up. Yeah. I've tried to write drunk before, and then I re- read it back later, and then I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of typos here. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, so here's a question that I don't think anyone asked, but kind of goes into this. How quickly do you write? It kind of depends. Like, if I'm on a roll, I can write, I can bust out quite a few words in a couple of days. But usually that's not the case because I get distracted really easily. I have what I call thick ADD. Oh, so just like multiple thicks going simultaneously. Yeah, I think I have three open right now. Nice. Oh my god. And that's not even counting like the two or three more that I have just, that I have, that I don't have open, but I am sort of writing nice good that's kind of terrifying and impressive (laughs) i don't know yeah it's just scary it works though because if i get stuck on one i can go to another one and then something else might like jog my inspiration or something and then i can go back to the the original one yeah if i if i'm getting into like the end game stage i will kind of get tunnel vision and then just work on that for until it's done, basically. Even if that takes, like, another, like, two weeks, I will just focus <laughs> on that one thing. If I mentally leave a story, like, if I start thinking about a different story, that first story is dead, and it will never happen. <laughs> you're so, like, oh, you're so magic, MK. I, I don't know. Either so magic. Sometimes it's like a, a switch in my head, and I'm, like, writing this, and if that switch gets flicked at all, that, like, it's never, never going anywhere. And I've learned that if I don't finish something... I should not post it because it never will be finished. <laughs> I do think it's really interesting, though, how obvious the, like, I feel like HK and I have to write professionally, and you don't. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. I hired someone for that. Mechanisms for forcing ourselves to finish stuff are really shining through here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, when I started my job, I had to write for it, and then my boss was like, you don't like doing that, do you? And I was like, no, and we hired someone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, that, sadly, that's, like, my entire job description, so I can't exactly 
I can't exactly bail on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily, I say that I don't have rituals, but I do feel like I'm very persnickety about my writing environment. Uh, and it, and I'm much more sort of a delicate flower in terms of like what will help me write than I think I am. But like the two key things that I have to have are, I have to be at a desk or a table. Like I can't actually write when I'm like, like I can't write if I'm like lying in bed or something I've tried and I will occasionally if I'm in tunnel vision mode just bust it out because it needs to come out but for the most part that just means I'm hunched over like a flat surface at like four in the morning um, (laughs) for like the 12th straight hour or something sick like that um I've seen it happen yeah it's pretty bad (laughs) uh what else I like, I usually like having music, but after a certain point in terms of my focus, like I won't notice if I have music. So it doesn't really matter if it's there. Um, unlike the Hoyden who has to write in monastic silence. All- <laughs> she can't even read with music on. It's crazy. It, it's one of the strangest things I've ever experienced. Wait, she can't uh, read with music on? No, don't you remember when we were in Japan? I remember a lot about Japan, but there's also a lot I don't remember about Japan. So basically like my default like my default modus operandi is if I'm doing anything involving like writing, if I'm just surfing the internet or if I'm reading something, I will always have music going in the background. But I remember when we were like at at one point, one night we're in in the hotel and I just had like the music running and I wasn't paying attention. She was like, can we turn that off? And I was like, Oh, you're reading and you can't have this on. That's really interesting to me. (laughs) I think that I was also reading, but when I read, I just don't hear anything. I think I missed that. Exactly. Like I completely zone out. So those are the key things. And I mean, like my problem is I tend to write better. Like I usually end up writing my best between the hours of like one in the morning and 6am. So whenever I'm really on a tear, that just means I'm not sleeping. (laughs) That's my nightmare. I need so much sleep. Yeah. So everybody who was like, how did you write Prescovu so quickly? Because it was so long and I finished it in such a short period of time. I didn't sleep for like a month, basically. And not because I was trying, just because I had to write it and I couldn't sleep because I had to write it. I wrote most of Covered Love at my desk at work, just like in a Google Doc. Good for you. Yeah, a little (laughs) bit at home in bed. Good life choices. Very good. Yeah, it's not like anyone saw me. It was fine. (laughs) All right, next question. Hi, Slash Report. Oh, this is from Volatile Hearts. Hi, Slash Report. I have a writing question about exposition. I'm having trouble with introducing information with it sounding like a textbook paragraph or an awkward Q&A session. Do you have any tips or suggestions? No. (laughs) (laughs) I guess read things that you think introduce it well and try to, I guess, try to pick a a space of of words, basically, that you want to introduce this information in and then try to introduce it organically through the characters, either talking to each other or, like, doing something. Like, try not to do it all in one paragraph because, yeah, that does that can be like really um like obvious especially if that's not your style for the rest of the fic i think that one of them at least from what i've noticed reading a lot of times when people realize that they're doing an exposition dump or they struggle with exposition it's because at least in i mean not not even just in fanfic but like we have an idea of the story that we want to write so you want to start the story at a certain point and you want it to contain x y and z actions But then where the exposition becomes a problem is because you want to start a story at that certain point, but you need to know this stuff before you can get to that point. And I feel like a lot of times when people are having struggles with exposition, what they're actually fighting against 
is that stories need necessity to be longer or to be more encompassing, right? So if you want something to come naturally and without it to feel forced, a lot of times the right answer, weirdly enough, is start writing earlier, start the story earlier than you thought it needed to start, or start it later so that you can skip this whole other thing in the beginning. Like, and that's going to require a lot of discipline and looking at your story and thinking like, is this the best way to tell this story? Like if, if you find yourself like, I cannot fucking do this scene without there being a massive exposition dump, then there may have needed to be another scene beforehand or maybe more than one scene beforehand to set that up. Like it should never feel forced and you're, you should let the story guide you in terms of what it needs. If you find yourself in a position where it's like, the scene isn't going to work unless this character like just does a dead drop of like 14 lines of exposition, then maybe you needed to build something out that came before that. And then you'd be avoiding this problem. On the other hand, you'll also be giving yourself carpal tunnel because you'll be lengthening the story quite a bit. So I think that's something people should keep in mind. A lot of times it's not even the problem that you don't know how to incorporate that exposition. It's just that you need to like let yourself write more. That's actually really helpful. Yeah. Like, good job. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm giving myself a pat on the back. No, I mean, it's it's not always the case. And some things are just, there's awkward things where it's like really hard. You have to find this sort of like a graceful way to wrap it in other stuff. But those are small pieces of exposition. But if you find yourself like doing yeah. a pun, you're like, I probably need to write another scene before that. And it can be liberating as well because then you don't have to find a clever way to fit that into exposition. You can just let the story do it for you. Yeah, that's true too. Uh, next question, MK, do you want to that? Yeah, it's TLKNerdy2KC on Twitter. Did MK read that? Oh, Talking Nerdy. <laughs> talking Nerdy to KC. All right, took me a second. Sorry. Uh, anyways, do you guys ever take notes or do outlines before writing? I do some notes. I do, like, here's some shit I need to do later, but it's, like, ten bullet points at the end of a file. No. No? <laughs> HK? Yes, I do. It depends do on how long it is. Notes. Uh, what's the difference? Oh, um, that's true. It's fair enough. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, it depends. Like, like I do the thing that MK does where I, I have bullet points at the end of a fix so I know where I have to go. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm writing something long, and especially if it, like, when I used to write in the kink meme a lot, like, I had an Excel spreadsheet that has my to-do list in it, but I also started outlining all the stuff that I wanted to hit in my story because I didn't have like a word file that I was writing from. I was just writing into the comment boxes. Nice. <laughs> so That's I would intense. go and refer to that. So I knew what was coming up. Of course, I never actually stick to my outlines. Right. And, and it tends to go off the rails at some point. Oh, well, <laughs> um, I usually yeah. stick to my points. I usually end up adding more, which is the problem. Yes. I have like 4,000 words of Vila styles. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, and I thought I was done. And 20-something was like, dude, no. You need, like, another, at least double that. Yeah. Basically, any time MK writes something off of the AU Prue Twitter is just, like, both delightful and terrible for me, so. Yeah, that's a good summary. <laughs> I like that you say any time. It's, like, 1.5 stories. That's more than the zero stories it should be, MK. No. That's way more than the zero stories it should be. AU Prue is the best. 
Cooper's a monster. She should be killed for us all. Um, I definitely don't do notes or outlines. Um, I was forced to do out. So I've only taken one creative writing class in my life. And I wish I could take that class back and have taken another medieval architecture class instead. <laughs> I took it in college with, by all accounts, a very nice lady who thought the pinnacle of writing was mysteries where cats solved them. <gasps> she liked Lillian Jackson Braun? Yes. I love um, Lillian Jackson Braun. <laughs> She was wretched. She told me I was a bad writer. <laughs> oh, well then screw that lady. I, she didn't explicitly say it, but she was basically like, I don't really understand what you're doing here. And the little voice in my head was constantly like, probably because you're shit. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, I was not like, it was a horrible class. I disliked her. And the whole thing about it was she was like, everyone needs to outline. It really will like clean up your process or whatever. And I feel like outlining is a very useful tool depending on how you write. Like I do not like outlining. I've never outlined anything. Remember in school where we used to have to outline essays like in the third grade I would like write those outlines after I wrote my essay because I don't like outlining um, when we took graphic tech you had to do like a bunch of thumbnails and shit before you could design anything and I would just design something and then make a bunch of shitty sketches based off yes, of it exactly I feel like everyone has like a different method so like I feel like at least half my loading of outlines and notes comes from like <laughs> like reactive loading for that class I was in <laughs> I actually had a really good writing class in, uh, it's grade 12, but it's OAC. It doesn't matter. Weird Canadian high school. Okay. Um, and the teacher was actually, uh, you might not know who this is, but Timothy Findlay was like a great Canadian playwright and author. It's like, like really amazing. Did and he she wrote was, People Dying in Alberta? Uh, no, he wrote People Dying in the War in England. Oh, good. That's much better. Oh, <laughs> Yes. He also, no, he wrote a really good story called uh, The Piano Man's Daughter, which is about, like, a schizophrenic woman and her schizophrenic son on the run. It's really good. You'd like it, actually. Anyways, she was his beta reader. And, really? Yeah. So you actually had someone who, like, did galley edits, and, like, she was also a published author, and she was actually just, like, a really great writing instructor. I was like, what are you doing in my high school? Maybe she enjoyed it. Maybe she enjoyed, like, teaching people about pe stories where people die in Alberta. Well, no, she was like, do whatever you want. We're going to watch, what's that ballet movie with the kid from Tintin? Billy Elliot? Yeah. She made us, like, watch Billy <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> and, I don't know, we did a bunch of cool stuff. This got off the rails. We need to keep moving. I know. That's true. Completely fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, Halopa wants to know, do you have some kind of superstition about writing? Like, I won't ever finish the work if I write a final beforehand. Ooh. You know what? I feel like I do. Oh, Yeah. I feel like I do. I feel like maybe my thing about writing chronologically stems from that. Oh, maybe. Yeah, like I, I refuse to write, like maybe I've just convinced myself I can't write it because I refuse to write the ending because then I just won't want to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? HK? I'm trying to think. I don't think I do. I think my like if I stop and start writing something else. Pretty much that's if I stop not, writing. That's not fucking superstition if it's true, MK. It's a super. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I don't know. If if I get like performance anxiety. I see, but that's like so bizarre because you always write better when Hoyden and I are like literally staring over your shoulder being like, don't suck. Oh. So I don't understand how like. I don't have performance anxiety for you guys. There's like five people that it's fine. And like, if this were only going to like a small group of people, it would be totally fine and everything would get finished and it would be great. But knowing that eventually it's going to go out there into the world, that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> 
Good to know. Uh, HK, definitely nothing. I find this so bizarre. How are you so functional in writing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just I've been writing for most of my life, so I don't really know any other way to be. Yeah, legit. Fair enough. Um, okay. Like, it, it was want to be Michelle Kwan up until I was like nine or 10, and then I was like, want to be a writer. Good. Good. <laughs> nice. How the hell did that transition happen? I don't know. I just like woke up one day and I was like, I want to write books. Good. Very important. Um, all right. Next question is from Zoe, aka Ducky Girly, uh, or Duck Girly, sorry. Um, do you find it easier or harder to write for a deadline slash challenge? It's impossible. <clears throat> it just won't happen. Good. Good. Other than 30 Kisses, that worked out. Didn't you run that? No, I just wrote the Goku Sen story for it. Okay. HK? I. I mean, once it gets down to the wire, like, I will, having a deadline helps me finish it, but that I don't necessarily mean, I don't know if that means it makes it better, it just means that I finish it faster. <laughs> I guess that's something. Yeah, and the thing is, the last, like, two challenges I participated in, I was running, right. so, like, I could let myself slide, but... <laughs> it's a terrible attitude to have. I know, I'm a terrible mod, actually. <laughs> <laughs> People shouldn't let me mod things. Wait, what are you modding currently so we can warn those people off? Oh, I'm modding a uh, Harlequin Big Bang Challenge. Yeah. Ooh. I'm excited about that, actually, guys. That sounds really good. There are a lot of Harlequins that I need in my life. I'm really excited about it. With Finn. We're going to have some, like, amazingly beautiful... I hope someone makes some, like, really terrible Harlequin covers for these stories. Yes, those I think I want someone to do that. I really hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that like entire that's like a genre that I love and I'm in the process of actually trying to write a romance novel so like I'm basically <laughs> myself an excuse to reread all my favorites and pretending it's race <laughs> <laughs> nice it's bad, bad. Um, in, in regards to challenges though um, sometimes I'll sign up for like a bingo where I know I'm not comfortable writing whatever it's focused on and then it'll make me write it more so then I can get new? yeah like I signed up for kink bingo a couple years ago because I'm like I hate writing sex scenes Mm-hmm. This will make me have to do it. Right. So that's, I use challenges like that for myself. Because there's like, there's the one aspect of the actual challenge. And then it's like, I'm challenging myself through it. Oh, that's good. I, I'm really good. Uh, this is weird. Like, I'm actually really, really good at writing to deadline. Just for various reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't like doing it. Like, I, it's one of those things I can definitely do. But the I can write to deadline, but when I write to deadline, I'm doing it in a comp, like, in a way that, like, hits all the checkboxes, so it's, like, a perfectly competent piece of writing, but it's not one that's been crafted with love. Like, it will be fine, like, and that's the most I can ever say about something that I write to deadline, is that it's fine, um, but I don't think that I write things to deadline that are really good. Um, the challenges are slightly different. And I, I mean, like the two things that I've really, I've never signed up for a big bang or anything like that, because I know that I don't like doing that. It's not even that the time restrictions are too like narrow for me. It's more that I don't like having a deadline for fiction. Um, (laughs) so the only two things that I've ever written that are part of a challenge slash deadline situation are like sweet charity or auction fix. And those I'm always that person who's like, I'm really, I'm going to tell you right now, like as as you're buying me, I will not stick to the deadline. Like (laughs) part of my write up. It's like, here are the, here are the fandoms that I'll write for. Here are the pairings that I'll write for. I'm not going to write any Vore or cannibalism for you. I will also, (laughs) 
definitely not finish before the deadline. I will tell you that right now. I will be at least two months late. (laughs) (laughs) Not because I can't write the word count in that amount of time, but because I I just won't for some reason. Um, But I feel like it's better to know that up front. So like, I'm not... I, it's like, I'm sorry, you're, I'm going to be late. If that's going to be a major problem for you, don't bid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's where I sort of fall on that. And otherwise, I know that, like, I will I will fucking blow through every deadline ever. So I just never sign up for that stuff. Good job. Yeah. I feel like uh, when I write, I want to have, like, a lot of affection for the story. Yes. And whenever there's a challenge or a deadline, I just start to hate it. Like, passionately hate it. Like, yeah. pure rage all the time. That is really hard. And you don't want to do that because then you look back on that story and all you have are like bad feelings associated with it. Exactly. It's like a job that I would not want to work. Yeah, exactly. Amelia, dead poet groupie, has a question for Prue. Thrilling. What was your motivation <laughs> for writing Girl Lestrade? How do you how do you integrate Canon Lestrade into her if you do? Oh boy. Um I honestly can't remember what the original motivation for writing Girl Lestrade is. I Except think it was a conversation about silver foxes. It pro- I mean, like, I have so many conversations about silver foxes. I couldn't have <laughs> any of them. Um, I think a lot of times, I, I spend a lot of time writing, like, a lot of my big fandoms, like, the ones I spend the most time in, I've written genderfuck for. So, like, what are the ones I've done? I, I did genderfuck for SGA. I did genderfuck for NCIS. Wait a minute. Uh, huh? I asked you to write it, and then I stopped reading it because I can't read Sherlock right now. Yeah, but... That, I mean, you've asked me for a lot of things, and I haven't written them. Um, That's true. <laughs> NCIS. I also did Genderfuck for uh, Supernatural. Um, and then I wrote Gender, and then obviously I'm writing Genderfuck for Sherlock. And I think a lot of those fandoms are ones that, like, I don't, I, I feel like it, they're the stories, or they're the universes in which I look at them, and I think, like, I feel like having a tiny change like that, it's not tiny, it's actually secretly seismic, would make all the difference in the world. Um, and I was, I was attracted to the idea of making Lestrade a woman because I don't think the traditional Sherlock story would work if John or Sherlock was a woman. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that entire framing mechanism would fall apart for various reasons. I know that like, we've had a discussion before where you were like, I don't think it would be different if Sherlock was a woman. And I stridently disagree. I think that everything would be different if Sherlock was a woman. I think that everything would be different if John was a woman. Like, you and I have very different conceptions of gender. Yeah, extreme. Um, And I think that Lestrade is the one that you can, like, tick into a different box and still have some of the basic foundational points there and still be able to explore the Sherlock story while also being able to actually, like, talk about lady stuff in a story. Um, As for how do I integrate canon Lestrade... uh, Well, I mean, if you actually, like, when you read the story, 98% of the dialogue during the case files is lifted directly from the episodes. Uh, So, like, it was torturous, which is why I ended up watching The Great Game and Scandal of Bohemia, like, something like 17 times because no one had transcripted those episodes when I had just started. Uh, So I had to, like, torturously write down everything that Lestrade says and everything that Sherlock and John say during those episodes for the actual case stuff. So in terms of, like, integrating, like, I've built in all the casework, it should be almost exactly the same. Uh, and the other stuff that I integrate is mostly just, like, the things that I sort of infer. I don't necessarily know if everyone sees them in him, but just his relationships with his coworkers and his relationship with Sherlock and things that sort of would take on a different color or tinge if he was a she and trying to sort of extrapolate from that. Uh, 
that sounds very like clinical, but I don't actually think about it on a granular level, granular level when I'm working. Like ever since I left the portion of my life where I had to like transcript the episodes, <laughs> it's been very free form. And I think it's just very much like I, I have an idea of what I think she is like as a woman. And I'm trying to roll with that in the context of the Sherlock story. It's actually a satisfying answer at all, but. I think that was good. All right. Is from uh, Sierra Indigo. AKA Ellie Jamming. When do you write? Daily, weekends, do you have a routine? And is it harder starting or is it finishing? What helps get the Vic done? Papa? I mean, HK? <laughs> I write all the time, every day. I don't really have a real job right now, so that kind of contributes to that. <laughs> like, my, I work like three days a week, usually. Um, so, most of the rest of the time, I can't afford to go anywhere uh, during the day. So, I just sit in my apartment and go on Tumblr and write pretty much. So, <laughs> Living the life, man. That <laughs> sounds thrilling. <laughs> it's the worst. I'm so bored. Anyway, um, yeah, and then uh, for me, I always, I almost always come into a fic with an opening scene in mind and almost, almost always an opening line in mind. It's just getting to the ending that's the trouble. And like, I could, I always think that I'm getting to the end and then I end up writing like another 5,000 words and I'm like, but it should be over now. <laughs> Like, the only way I ever finish is if I just sit down and, like, force myself to finish it, and then I send it off to a beta before I can, like, look at it anymore, because then they can tell me whether or not I actually do need to keep writing the end, or if I already got the end, and then I wrote more than was needed. That's interesting. So you, like, don't, there's not, like, an intuitive moment where you're like, yeah, that's it? it there is sometimes. Other times, especially if I've been writing something for such a long time that I have my head's, like, in it, I don't know when, like, I just want to keep writing more, or... I feel like there's not enough emotional like, wrap up, but there is. And sometimes I just like don't want to write anymore. So <laughs> I thought I had finished Covered Love. I felt like I'm done. I never want to touch this again. And then the next morning I just had two. Done. No. No. I had two emails in my inbox and they were both like, no, you need like another thousand words and here's what's going to happen in them. <laughs> because here's the thing with. MK specifically, right? And I can comment on this because I see how the sausage gets made whenever she actually <laughs> does write something. And I don't know about other people. Is that, you know, you are exactly like your reading taste when you write. Like, you want the emotional orgasm of having hit, like, X, Y, and Z points on the story. And you have no interest in the aftercare that goes with a fucking piece. So, like, as soon as you, like, hit whatever you wanted out of it, like a selfish man, you're like, I'm going to lie down and fall asleep now. No! like the rest of the story to see too okay that's dead accurate like that's that's your problem well if i'm satisfied why should i care about you you are a selfish writer that is what that is well that's what beta readers are for no that is not actually our purpose <laughs> i think it is no and that's also why i refuse to beta read you that and to make me use americanisms or to tell me what isn't an Americanism. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's hard. Uh, no, no, no. There's like missing the mark in terms of hitting the ending. And then there's like, you only wrote half this story. <laughs> and you never do just the miss the mark. You're like, you stopped in the middle, bro. You stopped in the middle. I guess that's like when I'm reading things, a lot of the time I'm like, this is really good. Oh, look, it's over. Wait, why are there, like, six parts left? Why? Yes. This is this is the whole thing. Like, it's also the same way that, like, if you look at the stories you wreck, you only really, like, get-together fix. Like, you don't like the rest of it. God, because when people are already together, it's the worst. 
not necessarily because it's preferred, just because I lived real bad for a very long time. And I had to get on with it. But um, by preference, I like to write sober and edit sober. Because there are lots of things that you were like, this is a great idea when you're drunk, which are not actually true. So that's always like a terrible cleanup job. Once you're like, once you're like, aware enough to look at what you've written in the last like two hours and you're like oh man that was <laughs> do that <laughs> I don't drink but if I did it probably wouldn't make a difference because I have a really high alcohol tolerance I'm basically the same no but it's not so much like drinking period to actually be drunk yeah no drinking. to get me drunk would take like a full day Yes, but that was not the question. The question is never mind. Moving yeah, but, on. All right. Uh, how do you feel? What? This what? is the most important question, HK. How do you feel that extensive viewing of Dance Moms has shaped your writing process? See, I've never actually seen a full episode of Dance Moms. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. You've seen some ep- some parts of episodes of Dance Moms. My roommate last year really liked trashy reality shows, so I've I've seen the Kardashian wedding. I've seen. A lot of the Kardashians, actually. Do I've seen some I've, of Dance Moms. I've only seen one episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians all the way through, and it was the one where, is it Courtney has a baby? I don't know. I, I barely know the difference spawned? between the three of them. I think it's Courtney. It's not the cool one. It's like the least interesting sister. But None she's of the them one are cool. Propagating with Scott Disick. See, Scott is my favorite part of that show. No, absolutely, because Scott is, like, a monster, and you're just like, what is wrong with you? You're so fascinating. You're like a human train wreck. I can't look away. But I remember this episode because someone was, like, I actually saw it on Jezebel as, like, a weird, like, did something feminist just happen on Keeping Up with the Kardashians? <laughs> Basically, like, this girl, her water breaks, and, like, everyone else is, like, fucking freaking out around her about, like, her having a baby. And she's like, eh, the water just broke. I'm not feeling any major contractions yet. I've got a couple of hours. So she just like very casually is like walking around in a robe. Like she takes a shower, like shaves her legs. Cause she's gonna Like doctors are going to see that shit. Um, and then she like goes to the hospital, gets her epidural is like so goddamn calm about everything. And then reaches down as the baby is crowning and pulls them out. And I was just like, she looks so goddamn happy about this entire process. Like, this is the least horrifying depiction of birth that I've ever seen in my life. And I was sort of like, I have to slow clap this one out. I I even hate on you for that one. That was, like, so nice. That was kind of awesome. That's horrifying. I just get thrown whenever that show was on because they go see a psychic named John Edwards. Oh, my God. And it's like, yeah, uh, and it's really confusing to me. (laughs) Why would they... Well, anytime anyone mentions John Edwards, it's really confusing to me because I'm just like, why is the North Carolina ex-senator up here? Um, And then they're like psychics. And that spins the mental wheel a little hard for me. (laughs) Yeah, but they're like there talking to their like dad. No. Through John Edwards. And every time they say John Edwards, I just start laughing. So I'm like, it doesn't make sense. It does going on. They actually, oh man, I may have to go find that episode. I hate both. I think it happens in more than one episode. Oh my god, that is the greatest. <laughs> I don't remember if it happened in more than one episode or if that episode just played more than one time in my room. <laughs> That's probably the second one, let's be real. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> I never really paid it that much attention. Ah, <sighs> good times. When um, I had to control the TV, it was on Food Network like all the time. Uh legit, who's your favorite Food Network person? Oh, I don't know. I really like Chopped for some reason, even though it's not like a great show. I just like the fact that it's it's like a cooking show condensed into an hour. Yeah, like like it's Iron Giant or whatever, kind of like that. You you see everyone slowly. 
disappear yeah. over the course of an hour. You don't have to watch a whole season. I can't take that kind of commitment. Meanwhile, like, I'm, like, so addicted to Top Chef, it's not even funny. <laughs> Once, I seriously have, like, stopped people in the middle of conversations because they were going to talk about Top Chef, and I was like, no, I haven't seen it yet. It's still my DVR. Walk away. Walk away. Don't ruin it. I have incredibly strong feelings. I have, like, my favorite seasons and my favorite chefs and shit like that. It's dark. It's like a dark, dark hole. <laughs> Um, and our very last question, which is also a troll question, Hoppa. Thank you for bringing this into our lives. You're welcome. HK, what are your thoughts on Teen Wolf? How about Styles? Dylan O'Brien? Who's that? Is that from an Anon? Yeah. And P.S. Oh my god, I'm gonna kill whoever that was. <laughs> S. Broshi is never okay. I don't know what any of that means. Oh, that's probably Bass then. That's a hockey reference. Okay. We're what not talking about thoughts games. on Teen Wolf, Hoppa? I'm not gonna talk about Teen Wolf. <laughs> It was just, like, really jarring to see his face everywhere. Because <laughs> there was a period of time last year where they were advertising Teen Wolf on all the cabs. Yeah. So I'd, like, walk out, and then, like, faces would be staring at me. And I'm just like, oh, I can't deal with this anymore. Completely legit, man. Completely legit. I think it's amazing. I think it's awful. Um, so <laughs> the last question that I had for all of us and I always try to ask this and think of something witty and interesting to say, I'll give us five minutes and then we can cut this out. Uh, (laughs) Is in terms of advice, you know, for people who are thinking about writing, people who are struggling with writing, what is something that you found really hard to overcome? What are your words of wisdom for people who might be listening to this, hoping for insightful commentary versus what we've given them so far? We should do Rex now. We should do Rex now. Oh, wait. Wait, are we going to answer the question? Oh. <laughs> okay. Trying to avoid that? Yeah, MK, you're going to start for trying to skip it. What was your question again? Oh, Writing advice. Oh, yes. Okay. Wheat Googling? Always wheat Google. There's so many times that I've failed out of a story because I'm like, that's not how humans work, like, at all. Um, not using Tumblr-style tags on AO3 because, like... Tags on AO3 are for specific finding of things. If you use Tumblr tags, then you're creating like 800 tags that don't mean anything and nobody else is using, and it just fucks up the system. Right. Uh, and if you're posting on like Tumblr or LiveJournal or something, you have to make a, an index and tag that shit properly, or I'll only ever find the first part and then never know what happened, and then I'll be really frustrated. Please don't hurt me. Know how n- almost none of her advice things are about writing i don't know how to write (laughs) shit just comes out yeah okay that's that's hk uh i'd say read a lot of stuff that you like and try and figure out what it is that they're doing that you like um and find someone who you can throw fake at and they won't judge you for it because that'll help a lot especially if they can give you feedback as you're writing because that helps that helps me a lot like i tend to send people stuff in gchat yeah, so I can yeah. get feedback as I'm doing it. So I know if I'm doing something wrong right away, and then I can go and fix it before it gets worse. Writing yes. in G-chat, Gchat is the most helpful. And I, I know that a lot of people like to write in isolation. Like, they don't like showing people what they're working on until they're done. But I think it's much harder to come back from a decision that may be somewhat misguided if you've already completed the story than if you just do it on a rolling basis as you're working. Totally. Because that, that's something that I think all three of us do, Ben. Um, just mm-hmm. like pearl thick at people in email or like Gchat form just to like, okay, is this insane? Like I don't trust myself anymore. Sometimes I don't even say hi. I just throw it at them and then leave. Good, good. I like that. Good. <laughs> um, as for me, I think that my only major piece of advice is just to write. 
I think that, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about bad fic and like stuff that's really awful and things that we quote unquote failed out of, but none of that writing is, I mean, it's bad. Don't get me wrong. But it has value. <laughs> it's, it's very valuable. Like every single thing you write, whether it's shitty or whether it's brilliant is fantastic because A, you're writing something. And if that makes you happy, that's all that really matters. And B, you never get good unless you're awful to begin with, right? Like I was shitty for a solid 10 years before I hit mediocre. And that's like a really long time for a trajectory to hit mediocre, but it does happen. And the only way that you get better is by writing. So I think that that's the only piece of advice that you should really take away with you. You know, everybody has always said everything that there needs to be said about the different methods and like best ways to write. But the only thing that's going to keep you from being good at it is if you don't at all. So you should just put pedal to the metal and get that shit out there, guys. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. It's inspirational and mean at the same time. Now you guys know what it feels like to have proof sitting (laughs) behind you being like, just don't suck. Just don't suck. Just, uh, even if it sucks, at least it's out there. Right. Right faster. <laughs> right faster. I'm going to drink this wine on your couch while I tell you not to suck. Crack this whip. <laughs> <laughs> and we've hit the portion of our podcast that is Rex for the week. Um, MK, do you want to get us started or? Do I ever. You're going to hate me. I, I always <laughs> <laughs> I have two recs this week. They are both Teen Wolf. The first one is called A Wolf and I by Pajama Girl, uh, in which the sheriff gets it into his head that Styles and Derek are dating, which they're not. And every year the sheriff and Styles take this like week-long camping trip out in like the wilds of California. And he's like, Derek is coming with us, or you can't date him. And Styles is like, I'm not dating him, but I need to see him because of werewolf shit. So yes, Derek, you're coming on this trip and pretending to be my boyfriend. Um, and it's actually really great. It's just, like, a lot of family stuff that's really enjoyable, and a lot of the sheriff, which I always love. Is there a thing warning this? Is there a what? A not warning. No. Okay. I don't know. I have to check. There's no <laughs> sex in this story. It's literally a camping trip. That is a euphemism for sex in my book. With his dad. That- <laughs> so, no. Anyways, the last one is called Show Me the Way Back Home, Baby by Haynes. Um... And the premise of the story is that, like, Lydia and Jack, it's, like, years later, Lydia and Jackson have finally gotten pregnant, and in theory, that's what the story is about, but really, it's this, like, incredibly long, drawn-out romance where in the background of the pregnancy and, like, the way everyone is reacting to the pregnancy or adjusting their lives, Derek and Styles are falling in love while Styles travels back and forth between school and Beacon Hills, and it's just, like, really lovely, and then you get a baby. (laughs) The end. (laughs) If that was any fandom other than this one, I would read it. <laughs> yeah, you won't like it, but everyone else will. It's great. Prue won't like it. Basically. <laughs> Good to know that we know this. HK. Um, okay. Uh, 16 Days of September uh, by Tavir. It's a Generation Kill fic. And if I ever have an excuse to wreck fics, I pretty much wreck this at the top because it's one of the best things I've ever read. Um, it's it, when people... Whenever there's like some sort of fandom wank about writing about a, a tragedy that's happened in history, I always point to this one as the way to do it right mm-hmm. because it takes place in East Timor in 1999 um, during their election crisis, mm-hmm. and then one the, the pairing is Brad uh, Brad Colbert and Nate Fick, and Nate Fick is a Peace Corps worker, and then Brad is part of the UN peacekeeping troops that come in during the election crisis. So the story is really about that. I mean, there's also a really 
uh, nice romance in there. But I've I've talked to a friend of mine about it, and she's like, well, you didn't even really need to have the romance in it. And I'm like, that's true. And I think the only reason it's there is because it's a fic. But it's aside from that, like the actual story is just really interesting, and it it's really obviously well researched and um, very like comes from the heart. Yeah, so it's like it definitely is come comes from the heart and is like really sincere and not patronizing in any way. So I, I really like it for that reason. Plus, I'm the kind of person who reads books about genocide by Samantha Power for fun. So, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm not the person to ask about that. <laughs> You're fine. I can't give you shit about this. If you saw my bookshelf, you would be like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I found a kindred soul then. S- sort of. I'll only <laughs> rewind in history a couple million years. I'm always okay. <laughs> shit like that. So no, I completely feel you. Yeah, but it's just like, it's really good. It is, I mean, there are warnings that come with it. It's a war story, and it's sort of about a genocide, so we would have to go into that knowing that, but it's, yeah, it's still really good. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is The Work of Wings by The Fourth Vine, and it's a hockey RPF fic. Um, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And Sidney Crosby gets hit in a game and wakes up with extra memories. Interesting. Wait, what? Yeah. He, so the, he wakes up with the memories, or with um, Valerie Karlamov, who was a USSR uh, hockey uh, player who died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. He wakes up with him, his ghost, like, in his brain, basically. What? And it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds... All right, then. Okay. Yeah, I just rewrote it yesterday. Uh, and it's, it's really, really beautiful. And it will make you feel really sad about the Russians losing in Miracle, which is not something I thought could happen. Oh. <laughs> As an American. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I've actually been completely offline for the last couple of, I would say, almost close to like two months. In terms of reading fanfic, I've been really like off the boat. So I don't have any fanfic to wreck, but at MK's <laughs> suggestion... She's like, why don't you wreck stuff that made you want to write? And I was like, that is a really good idea. And although none of this will be at all surprising to you, but it may give you some insight as to why I write the way that I do. Are you going to start with Little House? No, I'm not, actually. Okay. I narrowed it down to three books that are sort of indicative of my reading reading choices. The first one is one of my favorite books of all time, and it is either known as The War with Mr. Whizzle or The Whizzle War, depending on which edition you get because they reissued it and named it the whistle war for reasons i don't understand by gordon corman it's like the third or fourth book in the mcdonald hall series but it's the first one where bruno and boots are like at odds with each other because there's a new teacher at the school bruno wants him gone uh and boots thinks that at some point you've just gone too far and the story is kind of marvelously funny there's all sorts of ridiculousness and they end up deciding that the only way to get rid of this guy is if they marry him off to the other evil teacher across the street and the sheer level of batshit shenaniganry it should be instantly recognizable because it's the goal to which i aspire and everything i <laughs> um and it's like funny and it's fast and there's like a really good underlying heart to it all of it's lovely and i think it's one of my favorite books of all time and i still read it and i have a super destroyed copy it's just from how many times i've reread it and i should actually go find the kindle version so i can't break those from reading <laughs> um my second book mk which you guessed is a little house on the prairie and <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you knew it and um i can't 
I, I mean, like, I love all of them, and I love all of them for different reasons, but probably my favorite of the series, and the one that I own in hardback, because I broke my paperback version, is These Happy Golden Years. And it has all the hallmarks of Laura Ingle Wilders' writing, with this wonderful sort of voyeuristic description of how life works, in addition to this very sweet thread of romance about how she meets Almanza, who eventually she marries, and this town on in Dismet, uh, South Dakota. So it's, I mean, if you've ever liked sort of Manifest Destiny or been interested in American pioneering or anything, if you haven't read these books, I really recommend them. They're evergreen. They're meant for younger children, but, like, there's a reason that a ton of people, include not just me, are obsessed with the series and, like, reread it every year. <laughs> there's something lovely about it, you know? Like, if the, if the apocalypse ever comes and I have to go to, like, MK's fucking farm in Canada. The only person who's going to know how to make cheese and butter is me because I've read these books so many times and I feel like they're important life skills for if the zombies come for us. I'm just saying. I don't know how to tell you this, but in Canada we went on a school trip where you like learned how to make cheese and butter as like a beginner life skill when I was like four. Don't remember how to do it? Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So we'll have plenty of cheese and butter. Yeah, we'll be good. <laughs> I, I had a Little House on the Prairie recipe book when I was little. I still have that thing, the Little House cookbook. Yeah, it's somewhere in my, my childhood house. I have no idea where it is. It totally fell apart at some point because I read it so much. Exactly. I think I made the molasses out of it. I, everyone did. Every single person. The first time they read that scene in um, Little House in the Big Woods, right? Like, stole some fucking maple syrup and went out <laughs> and tried to make candy. And then were upset when it didn't work, right? Yeah. Every single person. I did that and I was 17. <laughs> Good job. Um, and I have a, a copy of the Little House Cookbook, too, which is on my bookshelf here. Because I read it for fun now. <laughs> Broken. Uh, and then my last recommendation, which goes completely off the reservation with these other two, is one of my favorite books of all time. And it is The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Um, it's a book, <laughs> I know. It's a book that I was actually assigned to read in high school. And then almost everyone who knew me back then was like, you were going to hate this book for so many reasons. I ended up loving it with all of my heart. I thought that Hester Prynne was such a complicated and interesting female character and there were so many layers to her and so much conflict and all of it was very subdued. Like it was never on the surface and it didn't have to be because the, just the situation itself let told you like so much of what was going on underneath the underneath to quote Naruto. Um, yeah, that's right. High brow and low brow married together. Um, and I think that the writing of it is so lushly beautiful. And there are various scenes in that book that still live with me constantly. Like, for those of you who have read it, you probably remember the scene on the platform, like the platform scene, where she is standing up there with Dinsdale and you're just like, holy shit, like, this is a moment that sort of feels almost supernatural in its intensity. And very much is just no one saying anything and everyone watching the sunset, basically. But he managed to put all these layers into it. And I love that as well. So I think that those are the three books that if I had to isolate what has most influenced me as a reader and a writer, like those three are probably very high on the list. That's really weird. No, <laughs> it's like a perfect summation of your character. <laughs> like almost disconcertingly so. Good job. You talk I remember I remember that the day that someone on my friends list once wrote Little House on the Prairie porn. What seriously? She probably wouldn't appreciate me talking about it. You don't have to say it on the podcast, but I'm going to need you to 
link me to that shit eventually. It's like Almanzo and his friend. I don't remember. No! Cap? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almanzo's like, that's horrible. <laughs> Although, to be fair, they did have to go find wheat for the long winter, so maybe they just got cold. I think that's when it took place. Fucking maybe a, they Eric. just got cold? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you need things, MK. Sometimes your entire town is starving, including the 14-year-old girl you have a crush on, and you just gotta get you just gotta get through it somehow. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, we have to end this. We don't we do have to end this. We do have to end this right now. Like right now. Alright. HK, thank you so much for coming on with us. Yes, no problem. It was a blast. MK? Our, our friendship continues to baffle me on a daily basis. Uh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. That's <laughs> it for us this week. Thank you for tuning in. I'm sorry we weren't helpful at all. Yeah, it's for the best. <laughs> yeah, for the best. All right, guys, catch you on the flip side. Bye! Bye! picture wow yeah sometimes when you talk i'm just like i'm a muppet to you right now right like whenever i walk you're just seeing bounce up and down without seeing my legs i think that's the way that i interpret that okay is this hagen does question actually for real and then yeah. I'm fine. what did you just do i'm fine don't worry okay. about it